It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't get up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to 2024. I am your lovely host, Brian McWilliams, and I am, yes, still feeling the impact of my celebratory ways, having gone out, having, you know, really, one of those weird things, right? You go out. I had plans that were very tame for New Year's Eve, but I started drinking early, watching the Eagles game, never stopped. And then rolled right into New Year's Day, where a good friend of mine, uh, my realtor, has a chili cook-off, which I did not win. Very upset, but my own fault, because <laughs> I was could not find the ingredients. I made an Irish hangover chili, which was delicious. Put two cans of Guinness in there, some short ribs, some uh, some prime beef chucked, real cut, real thin. It was delicious, but... Didn't have enough time to really simmer down. And, you know, chili needs that time. But it was pretty funny walking through the Vons at, I don't even know, 9.30 a.m. with my sunglasses on, looking like the big Lebowski, just abiding. That was what I did all day yesterday. I abided, (laughs) abided by the rules of my liver and what was going to keep me alive during the day. So anyway, welcome, guys, to the first Mean Age Daydream of 2024. I wanted to talk about a takeaway and I didn't want to, I didn't want to do a whole show of takeaways. You know, it's kind of a a hackneyed format. Everybody kind of does the same thing there, but one thing really stood out to me uh, from 2023 in particular, and that happens to coincide with Harvard's president, Claudine Gray, I'm sorry, gay, very important. She's got that, that last name because it makes people think that she is gay to the point where I was laughing at some idiot on Twitter who had posted that, uh, Harvard was a homophobic and racist organization for firing Claudine Gay, obviously buying into her last name and thinking that that means she was actually gay. She is not. She has a husband, by the way. She is a black woman, however, which, of course, helped her along the way. But she's been, she's now resigned. Uh, the timing of this is a little interesting because I actually thought it would have taken longer. But when you now have, as I discussed on today's uh GMF rant that I do for our our Patreon and uh, and local supporters. She now has over fifty counts of plagiarism that have been found, that have been alleged. Uh, there were six new ones brought today, so I guess that may have forced her hand because I thought it was going to be more of a slow resignation. You know, give her time to to cover face, give Harvard some time to get their story straight, you know, to put their lies on paper as to why she's resigning, how, how this is, you know, we didn't ask her to leave and we think she's doing a great job and we don't regret hiring her at all. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So it was interesting to see that out of the blue today, boom, it dropped. She's out. But it ties into a broader uh, impact that 2023 had. And that is just the elite universities the elite centers for education and knowledge and uh, information in so far as how we guide our society. Because so often and for so long, we look to Harvard and Yale and Carnegie Mellon and Brown and Columbia for guidance as a culture, right? They had established themselves, at least, well, their PR teams had, but they established themselves as, hey, we're going to show the way. 
The best and the brightest are going to come out of these institutions. They're going to give you real stats, real data, real science, the best opinions, the best academic knowledge, the best, uh, you know, political knowledge, the best societal knowledge. And we saw that absolutely collapse in on itself in such a fantastic way that uh, you would have thought that conspiracy theorists had already been saying that the inst- the elite institutions had planted uh, jet fuel on the inside of themselves. And that's what really caused the collapse instead of the, uh, the planes that flew into these, which were essentially COVID idiocy, um, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, ESG nonsense, and a culture that has been permitted to foster on college campuses that is so anti-free speech, anti-free inquiry, and frankly, leans into the privileges of the students over those of the adults running the institutions themselves, which then bleeds into concerns that parents have. And it really was put on display here that people's trust in these unbelievably expensive, mind you, institutions has completely eroded happy new year facebook watcher or youtube watcher the institutions themselves have lost their luster as i have said in the episode title i think this goes back to covid more than anything else because covid really put a spotlight on bad information bad public policy moronic virtue signaling by institutions and for example the Ivy League was the first to cancel all of their sports because of COVID. Now, that includes outdoor sports, right? Basketball, I guess, in the early days, you go, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. They're all playing inside. I guess you, you could cancel some of these, but canceling outdoor swimming events, canceling football games where there's no evidence of transmission. And we knew that as information came out about the efficacy of vaccines and how we knew now that they did not prevent transmission in any way, you still had the Harvards of the world making sure that students could not attend unless they were vaccinated, boosted to the nines as more health information and dangers came out about the vaccines and their injuries and myocarditis and and all these other issues that cropped up, the blood clots, the potential for Bell's palsy. They still pushed it on a portion of the population that had zero chance of being negatively impacted. And yet they didn't care because science didn't matter. Because it was all about sticking that spear in the ground and refusing to move it. So code was a huge one. When you look at the influence it has on people, you know, this is real life impact. You know, parents that had these kids going to these schools can see it. People like us that are reading what Harvard's putting out academically. When you see people coming out of elite institutions, uh, yes, like you know, Carnegie Mellon or any of these uh, these high-end medical schools going on television and just blatantly lying to you, telling you information that now has been provably false, these things are culminating in the back of people's minds. So we lost our trust in those institutions, in the quote-unquote expert class, which these, you know, these mega colleges, that's what they had purported to be, right? We are the experts. That's who we hire to teach. And don't forget Harvard hired Lori Lightfoot, Beetlejuice herself, to oversee and teach a course on, uh, it was like, you know, governance through, I'm trying to remember the exact name of the course, 
It was something having to do with her response during COVID. As if Chicago's response was so great. As if she did a great job as mayor. She was shoveled out, kicked out of town, and run out on a rail for being atrocious. Not just in their handling of COVID, but her handling of everything in that city. And of course, Chicago being uh, inhabited by morons, then put in a socialist, who I talked about a couple episodes ago, trying to kill off gifted programs. But I digress. Harvard and these other places, I just keep mentioning Harvard because of Claudine Gay is so, so prominently in the news now, but they had said, we are the experts and we create the experts, right? That was the promise. We create the experts, the next generation to come. Well, now we know that they're not creating jack and shit that is trustworthy. You combine that now with the lack of leadership, the very publicly exposed lack of leadership, intelligence, the lack of a vetting process and a clear, uh, preference to bring people in that check the boxes of the DEI agenda. You see it with Claudine Gay. She was brought in because specifically because, or I should say approved because she is a black woman and Harvard wanted to make sure that everybody knew that Harvard was not racist, that the old guard had been uh, replaced with people that really wanted to have DEI. Great. They're then of course, the Supreme Court ruled that the affirmative action could not be in, in application on college campuses, that it was essentially uh, a racist form of um, filtering out applicants, a.k.a. the way that Harvard and others had targeted and pushed aside Asian candidates in particular who were vastly qualified to go to that school and instead pushed them aside for lower scoring, vastly lower scoring candidates that happened to check the boxes for black or Hispanic or whatever it might be, whatever categories they wanted to fill at the time. And Harvard notably said, well, we don't agree with this. We're going to keep doing what we're going to do, right? They're finding ways around it. Just like all these other schools, finding ways around it. But they really showcased what they're about. And it clearly was not education. It clearly was not finding the best, fostering the best, or having the best on campus. This, you then pair again to go with Harvard, Harvard ranked, I think it was the actual worst in the entire country on free speech issues. So now, in addition to having a de-emphasis on academic achievement, on truth, and on open dialogue, because Harvard and Claudine Gay notably attacked during the Black Lives Matter movement, a Harvard professor who was black himself, who put out information that essentially destroyed the entire narrative that police are somehow going out and shooting black people that are unarmed at a high clip. Like there was, it, you almost think that it was like the deadliest game, right? I think that was, was that a Mario Van Peebles movie? The deadliest game where they're hunting Mario in the woods because he's the best catch. You would have thought that that was what the police did every single weekend. The research found by this black Harvard professor who Claudine Gay attacked, by the way, after this and tried to ruin his career before she got made president, that destroyed it. So Harvard could have embraced that. Instead, they turned inward like Miss Gay did. They forced him to alter it. They tried to, to terminate his career. You had the woke social mobs on campus of students coming after this paper because it dared to present facts that were not convenient. So you've got this, uh, this entire narrative going on and you have Harvard as, and, and you know, and, and many others, the leadership on display during the public hearings over the Israel-Palestine issue, right, the West Bank and Gaza, you had them be pressured to answer questions in a coherent manner. Now, I won't go down this road too far because I already talked about it, but they dropped the ball. You can defend free speech, but 
you can't you can't do it now, right? Because you just look like a hypocrite. So all these people look like utter hypocrites. They led their schools that are supposed to be about open and free dialogue and finding the truth, which only comes through discussion. Free markets, free ideas, free discussion. That's how you get to the truth. That's how you get the most beneficial outcome for societies. They made sure, Harvard especially, that there was no free speech. It was one ideologically solid message, and that was woke nonsense all the time. Now, that sends horrible messages, not just in finding what is actually trustworthy and the truth when it comes to science, academic society, but also, as I mentioned earlier, when you see the protests going on, when you see kids going out there tearing down signs for you know hostages or fighting other you know, other students or or doxing people and stalking people, uh, screaming at, at people that that dare to disagree with them, and typically many of these rallies were of course pro Palestine. And it's not even a, a something that I disagree with. Of course, you guys know, having watched this show, where I fall. I am, without a doubt, against the majority of what Israel has done here. I think that the entire thing that's gone on in the past 30 years, 40 years there, has not been great. But at the same time, I also don't think that going around chanting and cheering on suicide bombers and, and, and people that have attacked and, and murdered innocents and saying, that, yes, you know, and again, I'm not going to say that these kids were distinctly calling for genocide, but there's enough reports about it that I'll say maybe some of them were. That environment has been fostered by these leaders. You have children, and these were these things, they, don't forget, they, they are children. Mentally, the way they've been, our culture treats young adults now is so vastly departed from what it used to be, where if you were 18, you were still young, but you know what? You were probably a man or a woman, right? You were evolved enough. And we now have collapsed in on ourselves with this insular babysitting culture where nobody can do any wrong, which please is what we're talking about here. Nobody can do any wrong. God forbid you get challenged and God forbid you actually go out and interact with people in the real world to learn that you cannot have one ideological bent because guess what? Somebody's going to disagree with you at some point and they might disagree with you so much that it may get violent that there may be repercussions, but these kids don't know that and they don't want to know it. They don't want to have the conversation. You saw that on these campuses during the Black Lives Matter protests, during political seasons when they would shut down any dissenting voice that happened to not be completely in line with Democrat talking points and woke ideology. You saw that with these latest protests where these kids do not think there can be repercussions to their actions, no matter how egregious, violent, aggressive, stupid they are. These institutions don't seem to punish them. We're looking at it. I, I, I mentioned this before when it comes to the trans issue. You're seeing all of these trans-identified people who are definitely not. You know, we know what the actual stats are, and it's very low, you know, less than 1%. But yet, you have all these people that are out there harassing and trapping, you know, people like Riley Gaines in a classroom when they come to campus. That has been fostered by these elite universities. So they're reaping what they're sowing. No one trusts them. I wouldn't send my kid to a Harvard now. I would I would honestly be more fearful that that kid would come back dumber, more broken, more, more uh, insufferable, stupider, should they go to a quote-unquote elite university because we're seeing what's coming in and we're seeing what's coming out. And there is zero 
that has been shown to any of us over the past year from these institutions to say that they've learned any lesson, right? That's, I guess, the biggest thing. There's no sense that these places have have acknowledged that they're doing anything wrong, that they think they've gone down the wrong path, that they even know what the problems are. It's such, I mean, it's the epitome of the bubble at Harvard. I mean, the Harvard Lampoon, I don't even think exists anymore. I mean, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I, I swear to God, I think it, I think it went out of business because it was impermissible to be funny in Harvard anymore. <laughs> God forbid you make a joke so sharp that it'll pop Harvard's bubble. Just unbelievable. So that summation makes me very happy. It makes me happy that these institutions have fallen on hard times. And I read they're, they're going to keep having the money coming in because they are built to fundraise from their base. They're built as conduits for the woke left for big, big moneyed uh, interests. Of course, we know that whether you're on the right or the left, they still, they still conveniently exist for that purpose. And the institutions where they pump these kids out to these woke nonsense, NGOs, nonprofits, think tanks that are funded through military industrial complex or big, uh, big green or whatever you want to say, big pharma, those are still going to exist. So, there's places that these people will find homes. I mean, Bud Light, for example, Harvard, another Harvard uh, success story, right? The entire thing with Dylan Mulvaney was a Harvard graduate. That's who pushed that through. But you're seeing the crumbling. You're seeing the luster is gone, that these are now exposed as the decaying husks of thought that are no longer to be viewed with any sort of reverence and a hundred percent skepticism. And that's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Okay. So, uh, shorter show guys, Paul, just another, another shorty, shorty show. Uh, I got to jump on. We're doing our call today with our, uh, our higher level Mufasa supporters. We had to delay it. So a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, I, you know, I brought up Claudine Gay. I, I love her resignation. It makes me so happy. I didn't read the whole thing, but it is fantastic to see. I wonder if there's going to be any other resignations out there now that this, you wonder how, is it just Claudine Gay? Who's been plagiarizing blatantly and repetitively, or is this a dirty secret that academia doesn't want you to know about a lot of people that are probably in these positions. I bet if people did a little diving, I think they might find that a lot of these other people probably have some skeletons in their closet. But anyway, I digress. Moving on to a different topic. Where is the client list for Epstein? I was excited to do the show today. I thought I was going to have topics du jour. You know, I was going to be pulling names out of the hat like rabbits at a magic show. I was going to be fantastic. I was, I mean, I was so amped up to be able to read through this list of, of FC's clients and just go off on rant after rant on the number of names that are going to be on there. And yet here I am sitting here with my dick in my hand. Much like the people on Epstein's client list. Well, I guess they wouldn't have it in their hand. There's other people, underage people that would be hired to take care of that. But why is it not out? What's the delay? I mean, we were promised that it was going to be coming out early January. I guess we didn't, they didn't say it was going to drop distinctly today. And now you have to wonder, is this going to be like the JFK assassination files, which we were told would be released. And yet, even under Donald Trump's purview, they weren't. 
they were pulled back. So now I wonder if we're going to see the list. Yeah, Judge ordered, okay, well, has somebody else stepped in? Is Has there been a movement fought? Is something here stopping this list from coming out? Because you know, they're going to fight tooth and nail. Whoever's on it is going to fight tooth and nail to make sure it's not released. Years later now, we still don't have this thing. So now I'm just getting nervous. I get nervous that we're just going to be stuck here with blue balls, guys. Just waiting for this list once again. We'll just have to wait for Jizz Lane somehow to uh, to get her iPhone hacked. Maybe it'll come out that way. I mean, if we've seen enough naked movie stars, can we just get one list? Somebody, please. I've seen enough movie star boobs for today. Give me the list. All right. And then last thing I want to talk about, we'll pivot to this and then we'll call it a show. I was reading a uh, that the World Health Organization has just announced the people that are going to be on its guidance for a lot of these trans issues. Now, this is for, let me scroll up this, the new gender guidelines is what this is. And they have put out this, this health guidelines, which is exactly what you'd expect, tragically. And, and so far, at least, the people on it, on the panel that are issuing these guidelines, which is supposed to be a neutral group, right? You have, you should have people that are on the side of gender affirmation. You should have people that are stridently against it. You should have people that have transitioned happily. You should have people that are detransitioned that have, you know, again, I'm not just saying pull them out of a, you know, a random lineup anywhere, but I can guarantee you there's going to be people that are well vetted, that have expertise that you can find that are detransitioning, that have prominent roles and can speak to this issue to issue gender guidelines. You should at least have some disagreement, right? Some sort of discussion within this. If you're going to be putting out guidelines for the medical community to use when we're talking about changing your gender, which is not something that is subtle or easy to do. And yet when we look through who is on these panels, well, it is people that are making up a W path. Hold on one second. So let me do this. Okay. The proposed membership of the current guideline development group. And this is by the way, from, I'll give this newsletter a shout out. It's a good newsletter. It's LGB United from the distance. And, uh, Matt Osborne is the writer here. Although this, I'm sorry, this one is a sub author, just at a Canadian lawyer. So anyway, scrolling down here. So this group, uh, proposed membership has 14 biographies published out of 21 members that have been revealed so far. Former four, three former WPATH presidents, Walter Blockton, Gail Knudsen, and Walter Bowman. Two of them are co authors of the uh, WPATH standards of care. They also uh, contributed to the latest edition. They have contributed research that is all, of course, in favor of gender affirmation. Other members, including Chris McClack, McLaughlin, is a uh, is involved with the Professional Association of Transgender Health South Africa and serves on the WPATH board. Elma DeVries is an executive member of PATH USA, PATH's USA, and of course is the co-author of South Africa's Gender Affirming Guidelines. Sanjay Sharma, founding director and CEO of the Association for Transgender Health, also serves on the WPATH board. Another one. Uh, these people also all. I'm not going to read all of them, but every single one of these people has a clear bias that they are strong advocates for gender affirming care. Now, we live in a time when nations like Denmark, which had been a pioneer for gender affirmation care, by you, the Denmark study is the one that is often cited 
most often cited. And in fact, it's really the only study that has ever shown that gender affirmation is a good outcome. That study has now come under extreme scrutiny because they're saying even the way it was conducted doesn't make sense. That it had uh, built-in biases with who they followed up with, with how they turned out, and wasn't really a true snapshot of what was going on. And it's led to countries like Denmark, which had been the leader in this, now saying we are going the other way. You had the UK shutting down the, uh, the oh God, what was it called? The Tavistock Clinic which had been found to be doing literally no pumping of the brakes, no questioning, no no real uh, deep diving into mental issues or other problems that people might have that came in there and just said, yeah, okay, you're trans, go for it. Every single one of them. That's why it was shut down. In the midst of all this, in the midst of finally coming around to question whether or not simply dosing kids up and trying to tell, tell them they can change their gender and halt their puberty, might not be the best idea instead of saying let's get people on both sides of the equation here to actually have some sort of dialogue debate and come to a conclusion that we think might make the most sense medically from everyone's perspective here they're just buying into the woke narrative they're already just buying into the most profitable narrative by the way for the existing trans industry uh they're buying into what trans activists, the most vocal trans activists want, right? The people that would cancel, cancel you for daring to question it. The reason why the pediatrics association, the reason why so many of these psychologists don't speak up is because of these groups and these activists that will try to get you barred effectively from the medical field. Should you question Jeff Yandra, uh, affirming care and the world health organization decides we're just going to run with that. We're not going to do any due diligence. I mean, this ties into what I was saying with Harvard and with these other high-level elite institutions. Does anybody really have respect for the World Health Organization after COVID? We know that they misled us. We know they led. One of the former heads of the, uh, it was either the CDC or the WHO, I believe it was the WHO, was on there on record saying masks don't do anything. She said the reason we were telling people to wear masks is just to scare them into staying apart from each other. That was it. That was the entire rationale. She said it at a speech, at a talk. We just want people to be scared. If you see somebody with a mask coming at you, you tend to give them a little bit more space. So they forced us all to wear masks that they knew did nothing for years, giving all sorts of horrible outcomes for children and the developmental process. I mean, it's just one of those things where you go, what's the point of the World Health Organization if Nothing they're doing is actually scientific. Nothing they're doing is actually going to give us, as I mentioned earlier, real truth. It's just going to be rubber stamping the most profitable, uh, dominant narrative that the people on the left, which unfortunately makes up a lot of the medical community, maybe you know, tying into wanting to help people, right? Empathy. And look, there's nothing wrong with empathy, guys. I posted a real gay Twitter post on New Year's Eve when I was all hammered, sitting on my couch, thinking about my wife and my life saying, be kind. Empathy is good, right? We need to be kind. Everybody should be kinder. Find somebody that needs a little help. Find somebody that's lonely and reach out. It's a problem with our society now. We're all insular. We're all on our fucking phones. Get off your phone. Be empathetic. But at the same time, it's not empathy to completely deny any opinion that's outside of yours. And it's not, it's certainly not empathy to ignore scientific outcomes for children that may be irrevocably changing their lives. That's not empathetic. That's sadistic is what it is. 
to ignore all outcomes and force people into one dogmatic approach, which we are seeing detransitioners come out and speak about how horrible this has made their lives because they were forced down this path by shitty organizations like the World Health Organization that don't question the dogma. Why would anybody want to believe or, or, or think that we're getting accurate information from any of these elite organizations when they continuously provide us with proof that they shouldn't be trusted. It's just, I mean, it's absolutely astounding, especially as I mentioned, especially in an era where half of the Nordic countries in Europe uh, and including and also the UK, as I mentioned, are looking at this hard, hard looks into everything that has been built around this entire transgender affirming care, you know, house of cards. And it certainly looks like it's going to fall down. And in the, and in the face of that, this is what the WHO does put people in here who have clear biases, clear professional, personal, and financial biases (laughs) for the guidance they're going to put out there. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just seeing right now in this article. It's a long article, but yeah, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Norway have all abandoned the WPATH standard of care. Unbelievable. Anyway, guys, that's about it for today. Uh, Thank you. Sorry, it's a shorter show. I promise next week will be a nice long one. I pledge at least 45 minutes. Hopefully we'll have an FD client list to talk about as is my luck. I record this Tuesdays so that it'll, it's out there, you know, 12 AM on Wednesday with my luck. As soon as this ends, the Epstein list will drop and I'll have to wait a whole week to talk about it. And then everybody will be bored. Nobody will want to talk about it. And I'll have to sit here sad and lonely, just chuckling to myself, sit next to my wife in bed, cracking jokes at her. She looks at me and tells me to shut up. because She's been watching real housewives of Atlanta. But that's life, man. That's life. All right, guys, from me, Brian McWilliams. Oh, wait, hold on. Rebellion Writing, please subscribe to the podcast. Please hit notify on the YouTube because as you know, you will not see it because we are shadow banned. So you have to hit notify. Uh, We're on Rumble, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty if you want to support the show and get some of our bonus content or lionsofliberty.locals.com. All right, that's it. Thank you. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty Network, and from Mean Age Daydream, keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that 2024 ray gun to my head.